Well, we're here. We are. We're alive. We're 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 rolling. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little rusty. This is the first time going back to one a weeks uh, in a little while for me. So it's been. It feels like it's been a long time. I was putting together a little list of names I've watched and tracked this year or this week. And uh, yeah, when you give it a full week, there's a longer list than you think. Um, but anyway, uh, welcome to the 42nd live stream of the 2019-2020 season. Um, who knows however many we'll get to, but 42 is a nice number. Apparently it's the the meaning of life, the ultimate question, the answer to the ultimate question. Uh, I am uh, doing okay. Things are Things are fine. Got to go to the grocery store today, which was fun. Um, still, the Costco across the street is a zoo. And the the Sobeys I go to is uh, a ghost town. Riddle me that. Uh, anyway, enough about Sobeys, the grocery store. Um, welcome. Uh, anyway, basic housekeeping. Uh... If you're a patron, there's a new video in your inbox. Tony, I see you mentioned that already. Uh, that was put out yesterday morning, I believe, or this morning. I don't even remember anymore. Uh, this morning it was, uh, which was a good time. It turned out pretty good, I think. Uh, and then there's one coming tomorrow uh, that we filmed on the weekend, and uh, it's a good one too. And uh, if you've been paying attention to the list of names that have been on these lists, you might have a guess as to who it is. Uh, and then another one is being filmed Hopefully tomorrow night. Oh, maybe not tomorrow night. Uh, but at least over the weekend at the worst. And then over the next week, it'll be the first one coming out. And then there's two more as well that we're going to film on the weekend. So three next week is hopefully what we're going to get to. Um, but yeah, so far so good. Uh, we've uh, gotten up to 15, which is more than I did last year. Still another month and maybe a month and a half to go. So I'm hoping that you can that we can get to 30. Um, the 16th one is in production, so we're going to get there uh at least i hope we are so yeah so far has been good the, the responses have been been very good uh i had someone in my in multiple videos comment that i show my face too much which too bad i'm gonna do what i want and you guys will get to look at my face until more than one person says they don't like my face even if more than one person says they don't like my face i don't know i'm not a good narrator i'm better on camera than i am just into a microphone for some reason I guess it's because I use my hands and my body a lot to speak as well as my face. Anyway, uh, we're going to start getting into these questions before I talk myself into a corner about my own face, which is not something I usually do. Uh, thank you all for joining me. Excuse me while I take a large swig of water before diving in, into these. Uh, hope you're all well, and uh, let, let's give her a run. Tony off the top. What's up, guy? Uh, glad you enjoyed the report. It's a good one. It was a it was a fun one to put together. Tough in a sense, and if you haven't seen it, you'll understand why. It was tough. It's tough uh, to make ones like that where you know kind of got to stick your neck out a little bit. But anyway, uh, how do you feel about Martin Kromiak? He grows on me every time I watch. He plays off his teammates well. Yeah, so Kromiak is a guy I think people are overvaluing a little. Um, I've said this a couple of times, like one of the worst games I've tracked all season has been Martin Kromiak uh, in the Slovakian league. And I don't mean that just like his numbers were bad. Uh, like he, he ended up getting benched. He just looked terrible. Um, but 
Uh, I see the appeal if you know exactly what it is you're getting with him. I'm not totally sure he's going to work out. I think that, you know, the, the foot speed isn't there. He's got good skill, really smart, which is good. Like in terms of moving the puck up the ice and, and being a, you know, being a, being a nice transitory player to, you know, receive pucks in the neutral zone, get the pucks into the offensive zone and make a nice play in the offensive zone from time to time. Certainly he's pretty good at it. Uh, I just feel like the top unit in Kingston really was a nice masterclass in, in how a line could be built. So you have your, your two way, you know, pivot with a ton of offensive talent in Shane, Wright. You've got your hardworking guy with some skill in Zade wisdom, uh, you know, who can free pucks up and, and separate guys from the puck. And then Martin Chromiak is a guy who, if he gets the puck anywhere in the offensive zone, he's going to make a play with it or, or look for something to do with it. I need to track more of him with Kingston, but I've never been extremely blown away. Um, late second round, sure, but but I don't really see him as like some people have him in the first round, and I think those people are really looking at his data and his stats. I, I think that it's just not quite on that level, but he's not like a bad player. I just think that he might be a you know, middle six sort of third line we'll see type forward. I just don't know what I would do with him on a, in, a, in an NHL lineup, but he's very young, which is good. And he was good with Kingston. So that's, that's also good. Uh, and he is going to get to seven games for, for a full data set this year. So I'll have more on him later, but I've never been extremely blown away based on the expectations I had. Um, Carter. Hey, Will thoughts on Tristan Robbins and Blake Biondi. So full disclosure, I haven't seen very much of Blake Biondi at all. So that's why I don't have him ranked or anything. He's one of the few guys that I just haven't been able to even see much of. Uh, Tristan Robbins though, I really love, I, I think he's got tons of talent. Um, he got better and better as the year went on. Uh, you know, he, if you want just a raw offensive guy, you know, he could be, you know, a really, really good one. He's a great skater, really good speed up the ice, good skill, smart playmaker, uh, and he can shoot it as well. Like he, he has all the offensive tools to, to be really valuable. So I like him a lot. Uh, I'm not sure where he gets drafted, but I have him at 44 mid second round and I could easily be swayed to pick him higher. If some guys I have ahead of him that I like are gone, or if there's guys who I think I might be able to get later, uh, maybe Tristan Robbins is a guy like, I feel like a smart team out there is going to take the chance on him, you know, late second, early third. Um, maybe even though he's probably worth more than that. Um, but you know, he's a guy who, according to rankings might be a fifth or sixth round pick. And if he's available there, like, I think he's 86th in North America. If he's available back there, that's an easy one. That's an easy, easy call for, for a later round pick. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Tristan Robbins and I, I do need to see more of Blake Biondi. So I won't lead you down a path that the, the, of, of BS on that one. I'll, I'll have to follow up on that. Jordan L the hero of the chat, Mr. Pharmacist man greetings. Uh, how high are you comfortable taking Simone to Well, let me flip over to this. So, um, I don't think I would use a first round pick on Casper Simontoval, but you know, early in the second round, I could do it. And it really depends on what team I am. You know, I would consider it like looking at my, you know, 32 onwards rank. Would I take him over Helga Granz? Probably not. Emil Andre, you could convince me to take him over Andre. Yarventi, you could convince me to take him over Yarventi. Uh, Nimala, 
maybe that's a tough discussion, but maybe. Caden Gooley, maybe. I mean, it depends on what I kind of want and what I've already drafted. Cormier, that's a tougher one. And Simone Tavall, you know, you, you could convince me to take him maybe 30, mid-30s, I'd say, would, would be where I would start with him. I was way higher on him early in the year. And I think that there's just a lot of work that needs to be done with him long-term. You're going to need to give him a few years in Finland. He might have a, a growing pain year in the Liga next year, um, like someone like Alivi Altonen did, where, you know, it's a little bit much for, for a young guy like that, a smaller skilled guy with a lot of speed uh, who hasn't got the defensive chops yet, like someone like an Altonen did last year. Uh, Simone Tavall does get exposed in the Liga when he plays there. Um, so I like him, but not necessarily as a first round pick in terms of pure potential and talent. I think he might be a first round guy, but I just, the, in terms of the likelihood of him getting there, I'm not so sure. Um, Jasper Johansson. Hello, Gavna. What North American leagues would you compare the MHL and VHL? It's a, the VHL, I don't really know. Like maybe like the East coast league ish. Like, I don't think it's as good as the AHL down there. Um, but the MHL is kind of in a league of its own because there's so many teams and the talent level is so vast and they all play against each other. It it makes me think, you know, and the play can be so careless that it's hard to compare it directly to another North American league. Like, you know, the USHL maybe kind of-ish level, but like more sloppy I don't know. It's kind of hard. It's kind of on a, on an island on its own, I think, based on what I've seen of it. Uh, it can be a little bit silly at times. Some really goofy stuff happens in that league. But I guess goofy stuff happens in, in most junior leagues anyway. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of shooting from the blue line. A lot of really sort of low, you know, low danger offense and, and, and sort of teams capitalize on mistakes rather than create opportunities for themselves a lot. Um, but the guys I like are guys who kind of buck that trend, I guess, and out of that league in, in my view, but it's kind of hard. The VHL. Yeah. Maybe like an East coast league ish kind of level. Like some teams in the VHL though, are just like not good, you know, like there's just not really much, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's it's, and I don't really know how to compare leagues directly to one another. Like what discerns if a league is similar to, to another, I don't really know. Um, but it's not like the VHL is a good pro league, but it's not like spectacular. Uh, but seeing a guy who's a point per game and 17 years old in that league is, is notable, for example. Um, so that's kind of where I come from on that. Like pod Colson last year, putting up the points he did and the points he did this year was pretty solid. Um, and I'm trying to think of another example from this year, like Rodion Amirov played a few games there and looked pretty good. Um, so that leads me to believe that someone like that won't have a problem translating to North North America. Uh, Remy didn't have any questions. Then why are you leaving a comment, Remy? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> glad you're here, man. <laughs> glad, good to see you. Uh, phase, phase Beaner. Interesting. Uh, thoughts on Philip Kurashev? I like Kurashev. I don't know how good he was this year. Um, I always had a feeling he was going to be a bit of a slow burn, but I think he's a really good player. Really good skill. One of the younger guys in the AHL this year. Um, didn't play much. I mean, 36 games is not a tremendous amount, but I mean, 19 points for a guy who turned 20 at the beginning of the season is not bad. Uh, I loved him at the world juniors last year, really liked him with Quebec. 
you know, really, really good skill. The fact that he's already playing for Switzerland's world championship teams is notable. Um, I'm a fan of his. I don't think he's an NHLer next year, but you know, another good year in the AHL. Maybe he gets himself a call up here and there, but but he's a guy that I let develop in the AHL for at least another season uh, and and see what happens because I think he's a really really talented goal scorer, uh, really nice skill on him, and I think uh, the the Blackhawks could have a nice little supplementary piece down the road for a fourth round pick, which ain't bad. Uh, Glass to Cat. If it's okay, I have two questions. Yeah, I guess. Um, any thoughts on Maxim Navalin? I saw you mentioned to me early. Yeah, so I've seen Maxim Navalin play a little bit. I'm not sure there's a lot of upside there. I don't, I I don't mind him. Um, I just don't see him as much of a of a needle mover. His data is good. He's on my watch list. There's no reason to ignore him. Uh, but I never have come away, even watching him at international tournaments and everything, that he's you know, a guy out of Russia that I'm really aiming high for. Uh, I just don't, I don't, I don't know how to articulate exactly why. It just doesn't feel like he, you know, he's, I don't feel like he's skilled enough or quick enough or, or enough of a goal scorer or enough of a playmaker right now. I bet he's a guy who could develop that over time next, next year and, or, you know, over the next little while, especially if he goes undrafted. I don't know. Maybe a team will take a pick on him. Maybe I'm just not seeing the right games, but uh, not a guy I'm, I'm all over. Uh, like I know maybe some people are more so than me. Uh, Jean-Michel Prue, glad to see me back. Yes. Thank you. The, the reason I'm not doing Sunday nights anymore is because I figure you guys would rather more report videos and more data. So I'm trying to focus more on doing that and videos. I, I was doing the math, like doing a video start to finish from the beginning of tracking to the end. You know, each game is maybe an hour at, at best. So that's seven hours of tracking, another hour and a half of making notes, another, you know, hour of filming, another, I don't know, maybe seven hours of, of, of effects work. Like there's a lot. And so, and I'm trying to do like two, I have enough on players from two full rounds, uh, in terms of data to at least think about doing a video with. So that's a lot of data. And so it takes a while. So having the extra night is kind of more important right now, but we'll kind of go back to that two to two a nights later on after probably after the draft or, or once I'm done with the reports going into the draft, something around then, uh, who do you think will likely go first round next draft and who does not? So who do you think will likely go first round next draft and who does not deserve it at all? I have no idea. I don't next year's draft. I don't really know. I know that it's a decent looking class right now. It's a good one. A uh, lot of good players available, but I don't really have a good good grasp on exactly who will be a first round pick or not. Uh, I saw someone mention Samuskevich. I love Max Max Samuskevich. Uh, someone uh, was here, mentioned him. Where is it? Uh, where is it? I think someone mentioned him. Um, anyway, I do like him a lot. I, I, I think that's, yeah, Mac, Logan Kelly after, yeah. Thoughts on Mackie Samuskevich. Yeah, I like him. Uh, he's one of those guys who I think is going to be a good first round pick next year. Um, assuming he continues doing what he's doing this year. Okay. Jasper. When Wallander is on his game, is he better than Drysdale? Uh, uh so, Okay. William Wallander at his best is a very different player than Jamie Drysdale. I'll say that. Uh, I don't think your draft, your, when you draft Jamie Drysdale, 
you're getting a two-way guy. You're getting a defenseman who's going to be really good defensively in transition and really good offensively in transition. Pretty much about equally good, I would say. I think he's better offensively in transition, but like defensively in transition, he's much better. Like for someone is for someone who's this good offensively, he's about that good defensively. And like that difference and at such a high level is kind of hard to find, which is why I think he's a top 10 pick. Some guys are really good offensively and awful defensively in transition. And Wallander isn't always awful in transition defensively, but he's often not that super high at both ends net difference. Um, I think that though, if you want, if you want an offensive defenseman in this year's draft, if you get Wallander and he turns into what he could be, then yeah, I think he's, I think he could be a better offensive defenseman than Jamie Drysdale is uh, in terms of scoring points and everything. But in terms of pure playing the defensive game, uh, I don't see that. I think you go, you go for Drysdale um, and it's, I don't think it's particularly close. Wallander is still very raw, I think. So you kind of need, you can work on him to get there, but you really got to work that balance with him to me of, of, of pushing offense and, and joining rushes and having people cover for him or, you know, using your mobility to close gaps and maintain the, the neutral zone and defensive zone really well. So I don't, it's a kind of hard question to answer because I don't think they're the same variety of player, but Jamie Drysdale does bring more to the table all over the ice, I think in general, but Wallander, if he works out in terms of being like an offensive defenseman might be viewed, you know, in a sense better than, than Drysdale, but not like, I don't think, I don't think Wallander is going to be a shutdown guy anytime soon, nor I don't think he should be because that's not really using his skills to his advantage outside of, you know, stuff like in transition and, you know, getting his stick in the way and stuff. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers that. When you track completed passes, how do you jot them down when a guy can't handle a reasonable pass? Yeah, see, this is the problem with some of the work that happens. Um, to me, a pass is when one player is moving the puck around the ice to a teammate and you have to use your best judgment on what's a dump that's not expected to be picked up and what is, or what is a a pass and what is just a guy dumping it or whatever. You kind of have to use your best judgment. And my argument to myself is sometimes I get it right, you know, in terms of, you know, sometimes I overcompensate on like, this is a pass or this isn't a pass. And sometimes I do the opposite and it kind of over time equals out. You get the gist of it overall in the data, you know, like it's more common that a pass either completely misses its target uh, or, or you're not passing it to someone in particular, then they flub receiving the pass. But technically, especially if that pass is missed and they lose possession, it's a pass attempt and you lose possession. So it's an incomplete pass. Like the point of passing the way I track it is to identify when a player is losing possession and why. So uncontrolled zone exits and entries are big and incomplete passes indicates to me like black and white, like this person, when they moved the puck away from themselves to a teammate, it reached a target, maybe not the desired target, but they maintained possession X percent amount of time. So it's not necessarily a measure of like how good a player is at passing the puck to someone. It's more a measure of maintaining possession and all of those things. So I think I, it's it's kind of murky for sure. And it's part of the reason I do want to write a big article and stuff going over my methodology and everything also for transparency. But 
it's kind of hard to to get it per- exactly right for situations like that. So you kind of have to use your best judgment and recognize that there will be error in some way because there's a lot of really weird nuance that goes on in the National Hockey League and in, in hockey in general. Uh, and you just kind of, I, I kind of leave it as black and white as I possibly can. And rather than nitpicking individual little tiny plays that might be this or this, it's like, okay, did someone get the puck? Is the team in possession of the puck after this person makes a blatant attempt at passing it? If they're dumping it in and going for a change, I don't care. But if they're dumping it into the offensive zone and there's no one else on the ice that goes for a change and they're not rushing after to get it, and there was a passing option, then I'm going to count that as something that I'm not really looking for. I don't really prefer when defensemen do that and and the system doesn't really enable chasing that puck down. Um, so it's kind of nuancy and, and contextual, but uh, it's I try to keep it as simple as I possibly can because without it, I end up I would end up going down rabbit holes of of different metrics and bobbled passes and what do I count as a complete pass if it's a complete you know like a pass is not completed if the recept if the person receiving it doesn't have it on his stick whether it's their fault or not I don't think it matters and I try not to paint it super negatively for the player passing it if they aren't co- connecting on a ton of passes or anything and I don't think it happens a tremendous amount of time really uh, it happens sometimes, but not a ton of times. <clears throat> uh, what is your hardest league to scout? MHL, Super Elite, Liga, Junior A, or US Prep? I Of all the ones you mentioned, Prep, I think, it, the, the talent depth on a single team is really deep. Uh, it, it's, it's a really wide difference between the best players on a good Prep team and, and, the not, and the not good players on a Prep team. And I think really good Prep League players can get away with a lot. But I don't think uh, I, I don't think it's enough there for me to really judge it. Like John Farinacci was a hard one, uh, a hard one for me to go for. Um, yeah, John Farinacci was a tough one for me, but he's turned out to be okay at Harvard so far. And just prep school in general is pretty hard. Like Timofey Spitzerov is a guy who really interests me, but I have a hard time accurately gauging him because it's prep school. With the MHL, you can at least there the, all the other teams and leagues you mentioned. The good thing about those is that the the really really good teams have programs that play at the top men's level there. So you know that they have a vested interest in their young guys on those teams and pushing them to end up on the pro team or or being the best players they can be. So you know that there's a hierarchy going on, and you say, okay, in the MHL, at least I know that SKA Saint Petersburg has two farm teams here. And CSKA Moscow has a farm team. And all these major KHL franchises have have farm teams down here full of kids. Um, so I, I think that that's worth doing. And the same thing for the other leagues you mentioned. Finland and, and in Sweden, they all they all have this background of, of re- re- reputation. Whereas with prep school, it's like we're just playing these kids against other prep schools and they're just going to go to college and we'll see. Whereas in the other leagues, it's a little easier because you know that those programs are really, really high level and you can directly, you know directly view those programs play each other and uh you know where those players are going down the road uh or at least likely going uh thoughts on topi nimala do you think he should go in the first round i wouldn't be surprised to see someone take nimala in the first round he's a good defensive player right now and i think he has offensive tools are are kind of limited but but they're uh they're there i think he's got a lot of good uh potential in terms of a a defensive defenseman and at least a good dude moving pucks around the ice but I don't know about offensive potential right now 
Uh, but that's not a bad thing. I, I don't know if he... I wouldn't be surprised to see someone take him in the first round, late in the first, like someone similar to a Ryan Johnson uh, last year where, you know, I wasn't surprised he was picked in the first round, but I probably wouldn't have done that. Um, I don't think. I'm trying to remember what my rankings looked like. But but he was not, you know, he was not a guy that I would have taken in the first round, but I would not have been surprised to see it, and he did. Um, just, and he's a good defensive, def, you know, a good defensive player with nice skill and good skating and, you know, in my opinion, a modern version of what a defensive defenseman should be. And I think Nimala is another good example of that. And if someone picks him in the first round, you kind of know what you're getting with him. And I think he's going to be an NHL player one day, but I'm not sure if he's going to be a top four guy, um, you know, a real minutes eater. But I think he's going to be a nice, versatile defensive player uh, that, that you can kind of plop around your lineup and let... And you if you let him play in Finland for a few years, you, there's no reason not to, and he's with a good program. So, you know, I, I think that that would be not the worst idea either. Um, so I like, I, I like Nimala. I could be swayed to take him in the first round, but, but it would be hard. There's a lot of players in that 20 to 35 ish range where I think there's a lot of talent to, to sift through and, and it would be a tough pick to pick Nimala over some of those guys, but you know, I could see it. Um, which 2020 draft eligible player excels the most at distributing the puck and at utilizing their teammates to maintain possession. Um, hmm. I guess, I guess on paper, uh, on paper, I would probably say Marco Rossi. Um, just looking now, like, so Marco Rossi, offensively maintains control 82% of offensive transition, sorry, 83%. So in terms of when the puck is on his own stick or he's passing it to a teammate in transition offensively, it's getting there across the blue lines with control four out of five times. Not a single forward I've tracked so far has reached that point um, over a seven game sample. The highest I've seen is Kuznodinov and that's in the MHL and that's 76%. So add another 6 or 7% on top of that and you get Marco Rossi. Plus the fact that Rossi connects on 79% of his passes indicates to me that he's a guy who just drives a ton of potential. I mean, I'm looking now, he has a 62% high and medium danger shot attempt percentage, 73% high danger shot attempt percentage. You know, all he does is just good things, especially offensively. So he probably would be the best one, I would say. I would... You know, Alexi Lafreniere has some pretty bonkers statistics as well, but I'm looking now. I've only done three games of his so far, so full disclosure on that. He's a tough one for me to track because I have to use CHL Live, and that's a friggin' nightmare. Uh, But, you know, just comparing him and Rossi so far, his offensive controlled zone transition percentage is lower. Uh, His completed pass percentage is lower. Uh, His shot differentials are better, but... Fewer high and medium danger shot attempts, you know, high medium danger shot attempts as a share of total shot attempts. So he's taking more low danger chances in a given set of of shot attempts than Rossi. And same thing with high danger. Um, So there's a lot of things that someone, when you look at a Lafreniere, you might think, well, if he's going first overall, he's better at that. I would say that he isn't. And, And all those numbers I listed for Rossi are a big reason why, to me, I don't believe anyone really truly wants him to be a winger and I really don't believe that if I'm drafting him I'm gonna tell him we think you're gonna make a great winger one day he's a center it's just what he does he's in open ice he's outstandingly good and 
I just refuse to believe that just because he's five foot nine, he's going to be, you know, a winger. Uh, you know, yeah, you don't see a lot of five, nine centers in the NHL, but not a lot of five, nine centers are Marco Rossi. And I think that there's a bias in the national hockey league against smaller centers. Rossi's great on faceoffs, which again, for small players is probably a good thing. You get lower to the ice. You can set your feet wider, lower center of gravity, shorter stick, shorter arms. You can move quicker. I don't, from a biomechanical perspective, smaller centers are not the end of the world. Um, and I mean, we're talking about, you know, if he were five foot 11, I don't think anyone would be talking about this, but he's five, nine and two inches is what a pinky fingers length. And I don't think I'm really willing to split hairs over a pinky fingers length. Um, so all the data that I, that, that Marco Rossi's put up leads me to believe he's going to be a, a really good center. But I would say that of all the guys at, the, at least the top end, he's probably the, the best at what you, what you outlined. Sam Kohler. Kohler. Don't they make power drills, Kohler? Do you make power drills? Spilled on the floor. Uh, thoughts on Maxim Barry Ozkin? Um, I don't know. I, I have him on a watch list. I don't think he's got enough to make it work. He's a good power forward. Like, he's got good skill. He's really resilient. Managed to get himself in the KHL this year, and I watched that game of his... Uh, and he didn't, he didn't look awful. He looked okay, I guess. Not really much of a factor in that game. Uh, played on a line with a couple of other line mates of his from Loco. He's good, but I, I'm not sure. Um, ah, sinks and toilets. Yes, thank you very much. Um, congratulations on your successful business. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I know the numbers look really good for him and, and a lot of stuff looks good for him. I just have never been particularly blown away with him in this league. I think he's a guy who can get away against the softer defense in the MHL because at times it is much softer, especially when you're dealing with players like Maxim Berioskin where their game is more focused on puck protection uh, and and using your strength. Um, You know, just a guy who, considering how old he is as well, like I would have liked to see him play a little bit more at higher levels, but, you know, he was good but I don't know if I would swing on him really high in this year's draft. Uh, I know he's ranked pretty high by central scouting, but just not a guy I have ranked super high. And I, I just don't know about his projectability. He's fine, but I'm not sure about long-term if it'll get there. Uh, Emil Andre. Uh, one of these guys who got better when he went to the SHL, I thought. Um, his his under-20 numbers are okay, I guess. I, they're good for an offensive defenseman. You know, I don't... I have him ranked at 33. I know some people have him way higher. I would also, it's, it would be relatively easy for me to, to be convinced to skip on him. I think I just, I don't know if the projectability is there in terms of his, his foot speed and you know, his, his mobility is not great. HV 71 as a whole defensively is not great. Like whenever I track Z on Nybeck or any team playing them, when, when it comes down to high danger attempts against, they're not, they just bleed them. So I, I don't know if you'd be drafting Andre for his offense, for his defense, sorry. Uh, I know that the data that I'm showing here shows that he's a net negative offense and a plus defensive player, but based on what I've seen against good competition, I'm not totally sold on that. I, I don't know. But when he went to the SHL, he looked really good and really shifty and really skilled, and, and maybe that's what he is long-term, um, maybe. But, you know, based on what I've seen, he's a guy that I've wanted to track all year, but haven't had the time to do it yet. So maybe if the draft is at the end of June or later, then I'll get to it. But 
I, I just don't know. As a as a decent offensive defenseman, I would use a second round pick on him and no question. Um, but uh, there's other guys that I think are better at both ends right now that, you know, have better offensive tools and better mobility that I think I would take a swing on before Andre. But like, I don't want to crap all over him too much. He's still top 40 in my books. Uh, like if he's there past 40, then yeah, all bets are off. Sign me up. But first round pick, maybe not top 20 pick like i see some people with him i don't i don't see that um taboo slayer hey will great amirov video thank you do you think he will be a first round pick if rodion amirov isn't a first round pick then whoever has 32nd overall has the easiest decision they've ever had to make uh he should be a first round pick i don't see why he wouldn't be i haven't seen a single rank ranking have him outside of the first round um like if he's there past 15, I'm running to the stage and drafting him. I really like him. I kept having, you know, when I was doing that video, I had to sit there and go, okay, you're saying these things about him and how he could improve his game, but look at his results in the KHL. You know, like look at what he's doing in the KHL. Just, just keep looking at it. Just, you know, just don't look away. Keep looking at it. Just, just do it. And, 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 and every single time it worked, I would look at his numbers and go, yeah, there are some things that he could be doing better, but like the only thing he's not doing is putting the puck in the net. And even then I saw him in my tracking do a few things that very nearly put the puck in the net. I think there was a game where he rang one off the post. I put it in the video, I think, uh, you know, for almost his first KHL goal, uh, a couple of other instances where, you know, just really close stuff. And, and I think that long, the long, over longer terms, he's going to get there. Like in the VHL, I, he, you know, he just, he's, he's good in that league. And that's a, that's a good thing for a guy his age. So I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, not necessarily like an elite winger, I don't think, but like as a good second line scoring two-way winger, he's certainly got all the talent to, to do it. So top 20, a hundred percent to me. I think he's my 11th ranked guy right now. Um, and like, I don't really feel too hesitant about it. I know that's higher than most, but based on what I tracked of his and all that, I just can't really, I can't really knock him down much further than 11. Uh, you know, if, if, it, if he ends up being a top 10 pick, which I doubt he will be, but if he is, and he's that shock of the day where he goes top 10, maybe that's a thing that happens, but I don't, I don't see it. He's a winger and he's Russian. So teams might be scared. Uh, but you know, when I look at him versus someone like an Alexander Holtz, I think there's an argument to be made that Amirov outside of scoring goals might be a more complete player. So if you want something more complete than an Alexander Holtz, then Amirov might be a, a pick that you might look at. Uh, but Alexander Holtz does the really, really hard things in hockey really well, which is shoot the puck and put it in the net. Um, so he has his downsides, but depends on what you value and, and how. But Amirov in the KHL got extremely good results outside of just scoring goals. So I value that quite heavily. Um, Mike Malloy, what's up, Will? Thoughts on Alex Cotton? There's been a lot of talk about him lately. I don't get it. Uh, the more I watch of him, the more I have questions. I mean, he's pretty much only deployed in offensive situations, and he's still... Uh, and he's still a really not great defensive player. Like he's, he, he, he's not, I just don't think there's enough there for an overage guy that really makes me think that he's going to sustain this kind of a pace forever. I know the numbers are great, but he pushes offense pretty much only. 
Um, and that's not really how I want my defenseman to play. Like, I know I just said William Wallander has all these amazing offensive talents and that's how I want him to play. But at least, you know, Wallander is a beautiful skater and, and Cotton is not, I don't think. Um, you know, and, and I think that Wallander is more intelligent about his offense, whereas Cotton basically is like out there to be a forward. Um, it works for now in junior, but I don't think that it's going to be a long-term thing for him. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Maybe he gets a pick, but, but personally I don't see it. Uh, tell me why Dawson Mercer is not a top 10 pick. I watch this guy and compare him to other top 10 guys and I need to know what I'm missing. Well, so I have him ranked at 18, but you could convince me to start thinking about it around 13, 14 top 10. I don't see, uh, the only reason though is because I feel like Dawson Mercer is a type of guy you don't you don't he doesn't he's capable of doing a lot and doing some incredible things especially when it comes time to putting pucks in the net but other than that I feel like there's he doesn't show enough I I he he's a guy who I think cheats for his offense in the neutral zone quite a bit uh, he's a guy who is more of a finisher more than I think, you know, like if we're talking just pure talent and pure skill and when he's getting his feet moving and playing the game, definitely, I think at the very worst, one of the top, maybe 10 or 12 skaters in terms of non-goalies in the draft, but it's not there enough. It's, he just seems to be a guy really focused on offense you know his skill is amazing his his skating can be great but it's not it's not it seems to be only out when it's beneficial for him which is in the offensive zone and when the puck is near the net and he can put it in i need to track more of him like i said my qmjhl stuff is way slower but i i don't know i like him in terms of you you buy him and then over time you develop him and try to get him to get more engaged at both ends of the ice um, you know, get more engaged in transition, back check a little better because his talent is great, but you can only go so far, I think, on talent. And I think he's going to be a good player, but I just don't know if it's, you know, if right now it's enough to really convince me to think about it in the top 10. If you're really confident in him and, and what he's capable of and that he's going to be, you know, what he is all over the ice down the road, then sure. Maybe I could see him go towards the back half of the top 10, maybe the earliest of, of the teens. But I just look at the other guys in that range and go, okay, like there's various reasons as to why I would take these guys over Dawson Mercer personally. Um, hey, Will, besides goalies, which type of prospects is hardest to evaluate potential? Power forwards, snipers, offensive or defensive defensemen. So I think defensive defensemen are really hard. And that's why it's hard to, it's not often you see good ones drafted really high in the draft. I think people misinterpret what good defense actually means. And I know that, I know that people, you know, are looking for ways to evaluate defensemen better. But I think that people misunderstand what playing good defense means. You know, to me, good defensive defensemen are guys who can break up transitions and stop play before it even gets into the defensive zone. Um, and in the defensive zone, you know, are they, are they trailing defenders without putting themselves too much, too out of position? 
Are they focusing on passing lanes? You know, are they forcing players to the outside? You know, because playing physically and chasing hits and chasing all these things, it looks cool and the fans love it, but it doesn't, it doesn't drive play anymore in the NHL, I don't think. Teammates are too quick to pick up loose pucks if you hit a guy. Uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to that puck if you separate a player from it. You're much more better off, in my opinion, playing the puck over the body because your point is to get the puck back. And you can do a lot more if you're always aware of where your stick is and able to control your stick at all times. Because if you're using your body, you're removing, in my opinion, you remove a stick, which is a mechanism to get the puck to a teammate. You're removing that from play. So in favor of trying to take another player out of the game for a, a period of time, which they can fight through. They're not, they're not going to take you laying down. So in my opinion, evaluating defensive defensemen, even in the way that I would like them to play long-term is really hard. Like I look at a Jake Sanderson playing defense. He's great as a defensive defenseman right now. Like his ability to do exactly what I just said is really, really good. And that's the, that's the one thing that, you know, when I pull up his profile here, uh, it's the one thing where when I started tracking him, I go, oh, now I see what people are talking about. You know, like now I get it. And and with someone like a Braden Schneider or a Caden Gooley, I start tracking them and, I, and I'm still thinking like, I wouldn't use a top 20 pick on either of these guys. Personally, I wouldn't. I can see why someone else might, but I wouldn't. Whereas with Jake Sanderson, the more I watched him, the more I went, okay, he's not there to score points. He's there to prevent everyone else from on the other team from even getting in 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 the in a position to score points so and he's really good at it so that's kind of where that gets valued but the problem for me now is how do you accurately evaluate how projectable that is you know like i think jake sanderson is a very good skater for the guy for a guy his size and his age but i don't i don't think he's a spectacular skater i don't think he's tremendously good in gap control i think the ushl this year is in a bit of a down year you know i just don't see you know, I've bumped Jake Sanderson up a lot in my rankings because again, like I'm the kind of person who likes to bet on potential and bet on, you know, like gamble on what you see in the player and going, okay, if I have this in the NHL, I'm really, really happy to have it. And with Jake Sanderson, I keep bumping him up higher and higher and higher because, you know, yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys that I probably would take over Jake Sanderson. But if I'm looking for a type of player whether or not I need it on my NHL roster now or not. Like if my prospect pipeline doesn't really have this style of player in it and a bunch of guys are off the board that I really like, Sanderson would make a good fit, especially if I have a bunch of picks in this year's draft. You get the good defensive player who has decent offensive talent and you just kind of bet on him. And and that, to me, that does have value. But but projecting it as he is now is hard. Um and, and that goes for other defensive defensemen. Offensive defensemen, you can kind of see, you know, any offensive player, you definitely, I have an easier time projecting them. You know, you can see how they react in terms of their decision-making, how they adapt to defenders, uh, how they play in terms of their determination around the ice. Are they chipping in defensively? Uh, you know, you don't have to be a tremendous defensive player to, to be a good offensive player, but you just have to be able to be there and, and at least chip in. Someone like an Alexander Poshin, I don't think he's going to be a very good defensive player, really. He's the only guy I've given a three in any category so far this year. He won't be the last, but he's the first. And 
but I don't think he's not going to play in the NHL if he continues to develop his offense because his defense, he works hard, he tries, and he's really quick. So he does have some assets in that area. Um, but but also he wasn't really often deployed in that kind of a position anyway. They usually used him to press you know, into the offensive zone when the opposing team was setting up a breakout and he would just chase them down and, and wreck havoc on the way back. So that's a little bit easier for me. Um, another, yeah, like any sort of player where their profile involves being big and physical is tough. Toughest because it's what I don't value the most. I don't really value big, strong players that can't really move. But but now we're in this paradigm of defensemen who are, you know, it's good to be big for Jake Sanderson's case, especially considering how well he can skate. Um, but he's more of a stick defenseman. He can get physical, sure, but, but he's more of a stick-based transition defenseman. And to me, that's how defensemen should be playing hockey, and I think he's really good at it. So keeping an eye on him long-term will be interesting. Uh, to see where he's valued in terms of the class in this year's draft. like, And the way I've been thinking about it, and I know this is a really long answer, but it's a good question. The the way I've been thinking about it so far is, okay, who do I have ranked 16th? I have Jake Sanderson ranked 17th. Um, oops. Uh, this one. So if I have at 16, Lucas Reichel, which is crazy high, I know, but I like him. If I have Lucas Reichel at 16, do I want Lucas Reichel going up against Jake Sanderson on a defensive rush or on an offensive rush? Sure. I think so. I mean, Lucas Reichel isn't really the guy who I'm putting out there to carry the puck up the ice in transition. But if Jake Sanderson is on the ice and we're hemmed in in the offensive zone and we're in the offensive zone and I've got Lucas Reichel on the ice, I want Lucas Reichel on the ice because he can really shoot it. He can find space to shoot it. He's got good skill. I would probably think about taking him over Jake Sanderson. Seth Jarvis, in transition, offensively, do I take him over a Jake Sanderson at Jake Sanderson's best talents, which is that defensive transition style? Probably. I think Seth Jarvis has a really great ability offensively on rushes to, you know, just do what needs to be done to put points on the board. Um, Dylan Holloway. I could see Dylan Holloway embarrassing Jake Sanderson from time to time with the hands that he's got. You know, and, and Dylan Holloway is going to go toe-to-toe physically with Jake Sanderson in the NHL if they ever meet up one day. That's just what he does. So, you know, but but would I take Dawson Mercer over him? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Connor Zari. I don't think Connor Zari would do particularly well against a Jake Sanderson. Maverick Bork. I don't think so. Daniel Guschin. Maybe, but Guschin is much riskier than a Sanderson is, I think. Uh, Lapierre. Much riskier. Quinn. Maybe I could, I could, I, those guys going toe to toe would be interesting. Uh, Quinn is one of those guys who's good with the puck on his stick. Wallander isn't going to go up against Sanderson. He's a defenseman. Misak, probably I would take Sanderson over that. So I'm much more comfortable with Sanderson in that range because of who I would be leaving behind after him. Because I think that going up against Sanderson would be a little bit tougher for those guys relative to guys like Reichel and Jarvis and even Kuznodinov and uh and holloway and i'm talking about like their profiles moving forward um maybe dawson mercer is up there as well but right now it's kind of a tougher call so yeah i i don't know that was kind of a meandering answer but it's a hard kind of question to just be black and white on uh what's your stance on gundler amirov and jarvis well they're in that order almost back to back to back so i have amirov at 11 gundler at 12 and jarvis at 15 um Gundler's only really ranked so high to me because of his results that I tracked. 
and and how good he was when he was really good and 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 even when he wasn't good like he still was engaged it's just that you know he was a bit of a a, a bit of a of a floater and wasn't really doing a whole lot offensively but he still drove really really good results over a longer sample so he might be a guy who just might be a little inconsistent but when he's good he's good um whereas we were talking about Mercer earlier like Mercer doesn't seem to be particularly useful around the ice unless it's something that really really benefits him or he's really moving his feet uh which doesn't to me happen often enough uh whereas I didn't really have the same concerns with Gundler um I know someone later asked about Seth Jarvis specifically so I guess I could loop that in uh what are your thoughts on Seth Jarvis I just saw it um anyway um uh, yeah oh so yeah what do you think about seth jarvis olivier courchain um yeah so seth jarvis i have lower because i think his defensive game isn't on the same level as those other two guys at all i think jarvis his offensive game is really probably one of the epitomes of like no bs in this game in this draft his pass percentage is not good but that's because I, I'd have to look, but I believe like 30 or 40% of his passes are dangerous attempts. Um, Jarvis, where are you? I got to search it. Uh, yeah, so 35%, 34% of his pass attempts are to dangerous areas so far. He only completes 51%, but when a third of them are going to the slot area, that's forgivable. Um, and his offensive controlled percentage is fine. I think it's 59%, but his defensive stuff is just not as good at all. Um, but when it comes to shooting the puck and passing it, no problem in, in any game that I track, it's pretty consistent. Uh, just his defensive game is where you kind of lose me a little. Um, but if you want like an all out offensive winger who can skate and carry a puck and, and no BS offense, he's right up there. Uh, but just Amirov has a little more two way to his game that I like and, and offensive potential where, and, and Gundler is just a more hardworking type guy, but I have him in, I have Gundler in between those two Amirov and Jarvis that is, uh, Tony Ferrari. Do you have a preference among the CHL leagues in terms of watchability? Which would you say would you be your least enjoyable? Oof. Well, this year I haven't been particularly enthralled with the WHL's talent level, like the, le- the, the level of play. Um, the QMJHL, when games get really out of hand, I never like when any games get out of really out of hand. Um, but the QMJHL seems to get really out of hand for silly reasons. Um, you know, so it's hard to say. I think the U the WHL is the one that I'm not the biggest fan of. It's more of a slower paced league, more physicality, um, you know, grind the game down and, and things can also still get a little bit out of control and, and for, for silly reasons and whatever. Uh, and the bad teams are very, very bad. Like watching Casper Pudio with the Broncos this year was one of the more mentally painful experiences I've had this year. Um, okay. Uh, 747, man. <laughs> hey, well, I love your work. Thank you. Thoughts on Simon Kubicek? Uh, He was a guy I liked earlier in the year. I was, I, I, I'm not particularly in love with him. I, I, I don't think he's got enough of a needle mover to him. I, I, I need, I might need to see more of him, but whenever I've seen him, I, I think he was at the world juniors, right? Uh, for the Czech Republic. Um, I just was never particularly blown away with his talent. Uh, you know, like I, he's an okay 
shooter from the point and everything, but with the production that he had, um, his defensive numbers are not great. Uh, you know, his, his lack of, of evolution in his second WHL season, really, you know, I'm just not sure that there's enough there, but you know, the kid can shoot from the point as well, which is nice. Um, just not sure that at, at five on five, that, that it would be enough maybe late in the draft if he's there, but you know, just not the guy that I would swing at early. Um, outside of your top 15, who are the most talented players in the draft? Well, whoever's ranked 16th. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I know what you mean. Like outside of my top 15, like outside of my top 15, the most fun player to watch. Like I've had the most fun watching Alexander Poshin play. And I'm still convinced that if he were two inches taller, he'd be a first round pick in everyone's mind. You know, like one of these hot shot Russian skilled guys that everyone seems to be paying attention to. Uh, but unfortunately he's five foot seven and that devalues him to a lot of people. Not me, but to a lot of people. Uh, I love watching William Wallander play even, he, even with his shortcomings. Um, Dawson Mercer, when he gets going is a ton, a ton, a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I guess if you're talking about like the most fun players to watch and, and the ones that show the most, like Poshin is up there. I think Jacob Perot, when he gets moving, he's good. Um I, I think you know, I think Jean-Luc Foudy is a lot of fun to watch as well, especially in the OHL. Um, but I wouldn't say that he's the most talented player uh in that range. Um they're all talented for different reasons, but but definitely in terms of fun factor. Uh, Perot's up there, Poshin is up there, uh, Gushin is up there, uh, Mercer is up there, Wallander, even Sanderson in terms of like what he does well, it's really good. So I can't devalue him too much for that. Uh, have you seen any players of this upcoming draft being particularly good at his skills such as tipping, redirections, spinoramas, uh, backhand passes, uh, so all the stuff you don't often see. Um, I mean... I don't know about hip checks. You don't see those too many times anymore. I mean, guys like Ruben Rafkin can throw their weight around quite a bit. Donovan Sabrango can do it as well. Um, you know, I, I don't see Caden Gooley being a guy that does that a tremendous amount of times. Uh, in terms of tipping and redirection, you know, it's good that you bring that up. I try to bring it up in videos whenever I come across guys that do it a lot. Like Ronnie Hirvonen puts himself in a great position to do that a lot. Um... You know, just simple little tip plays in front of the net and everything. He's he's just really, really good at it. Uh, Marco Rossi is extremely good around the net, getting his stick on a puck and, and doing little stuff like that. Um, you know, I've seen some pretty gross shootout style stuff come from guys like Poshin, uh, Goosechin. You know, all that stuff is, is pretty nice with them. Um, but in terms of, you know, like... You don't see many players do a spinorama on the ice because you don't often need to be in a situation where that's something you do. Like, it's a risky thing to do, but a big thing about what people are talking about when they say hockey IQ is adapting to what you what's being presented to you. And sometimes a spinorama might be a good option to spin off of a, of a four-checker off the rush and open up some space and find some teammates. You better be damn sure you're going to maintain control of the puck and you better be damn sure you get that spin off quickly. But it happens. Guys do it all, do it sometimes in the NHL. Um, but I don't, I don't think I can recall a time in my tracking where I've really seen someone pull one off that at all. 
and I don't know how useful it is, especially in something like junior hockey. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but off the top of my head, I can't remember. Uh, but, but definitely the first name that jumped out to me when you mentioned tipping and redirecting pucks and everything, guys like Rodion Amirov, Marco Rossi, um, you know, these centers who can, who can get into shooting lanes. Jacob Perot even has some moments that are really impressive. Uh, and so, yeah, those would be the, the, the guys that first jumped to mind, but I might need to go back and, and watch some archive stuff. Uh, where do you have Lucas Cormier and where do you think he tops out if everything goes right? Well, if everything goes right, he could be a really, really good offensive defenseman. You know, I think he's a really good skater. Loves to shoot the puck. Uh, I have him ranked at 37 because I'm not sure he gets there. But I definitely could be considered... Con, con, sorry, I definitely could be persuaded to pick him earlier. Uh, I don't think he... I don't think he should go much later than 40. But I definitely think that, that he's perfectly fine being an early early second round pick being a flyer guy that you know with a ton of offensive talent and good skating that you can just bet on a lot of his points came from the power play though um so just looking at this he is one of the biggest difference players in terms of all situation involvement and even strength involvement but this is still good uh like if i filter for defensemen and just do this and filter uh out the this and let's take this. And where's Cormier? He is 16%. So we'll go higher than 15% for even strength involvement. So 0 0.15. Uh, so yeah, so here's the group of players that kind of produce at even strength on a relatively similar rate. So Drysdale, Poirier, Granz, Gouli, Cormier, Yermo. Those guys are all in my top 40. Knazko, Mitchell Miller. Mitch Miller is getting better and better to me every more i watch him uh johannesson villeneuve uh dion uh and pudio round out the guys i have ranked and <clears throat> the rest of these guys i think are relatively low samples uh lucas frank i he plays on a pretty not great team in sweden uh hugo steve not totally sure on him long term but but he's in relatively good company up at the top there um so yeah, that might be a bit misleading in terms of looking at all situations versus his power versus his even strength um, numbers. But yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, it's it's interesting. It's kind of curious. Uh, I like his talent, but I'm not sure it's enough to really write home and be 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 confident in. Um, how many defensemen are first round talent? Well, okay, so that's not the same thing as how many guys I have in my first round. I will say that I would. Okay, so I think I answered this last week, but I'll do it again. So guys I would think about taking in the first round, Drysdale, Sanderson, Wallander, Poirier, Granz, Andre, Nimala, if I'm pushing it, and that's probably it. If I was drunk, Mitch Miller, but I probably won't be drunk on draft day, and I'm not drafting anyone. But I definitely would think about those guys. So working backwards, Nimala, Andre, Granz, Poirier, uh, Wallander, Sanderson, Drysdale. A few of those guys would be easier for me to pass on than others, but but those are the guys that I think probably could be first-round picks. Uh, Nimala, Andre, or Cormier? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I probably... I probably put Nimala last of those three. 
I like Cormier. I like Andre. I have Andre ranked higher. Cormier's not far behind, though. You know, probably Andre, because of how good he's been against men already. And I'm curious about Cormier Cormier against men, excuse me. Uh, but I don't know, you know, he's going to be another guy who spends two more years in junior when someone like Andre will probably spend at least another year uh, pl- that playing against men in the Swedish top division, even if it isn't next season. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that Andre would be the guy that I would lean towards in all against all in, in, a, in that group of three, um, which is why I have him ranked higher. Um, where are we here? Why are so many people sleeping on Anton Johansson? Every time I watch him, he impresses me and the data checks out, but most people aren't high on him. So his injury history is a factor. Like you said, uh, personally, when I've seen him play, I don't see projectability in his game. Not the best skater, but really nice skill. His passing decisions in the games I've seen him can get shocking. Uh, his data is really good though. You know, I think he's a second-round pick who probably will be available much later. I think people will get spooked by his size, his injuries, and his lack of real foot speed and and defensive ability is kind of eh when things get across blue lines into his defensive zone. Like, that's when things kind of fall apart for me with with Johannesson. But if he's available in the third or fourth round, which he very well could be, then sure, I would take the swing on him and, and bet on his skill and the data. But... I can see why people are cool on him outside of the injuries. Like again, like multiple times I've seen him do things with the puck where I'm going, that's not, that's just not good. Just stop. Um, but, but he's not bad. Uh, he's very skilled and a pretty good passer in the most fundamental sense of like the skill. But I think that the projectability is the problem with him. Uh, Tony Ferrari, do you have a guy in mind that seems like a home run swing late in the draft that you really like? Uh, well, the the easy answer is Ovchinnikov. There's a, I mean, he's not ranked, so he might be available in the seventh round, but crazier things have happened. Um, but assuming, like, he's been ranked enough to be, to have an average rank. So that counts. So he's on average ranked to be about a third round pick, which if he's available in the third round, I'm taking him. Um, but looking at these, uh, Brandon Coe is not ranked enough to be considered a ranked player in my sheet. Uh, Mitchell Miller is not either. Um, but these guys, I think, are on the radar for getting picked. Like, guys who are just not on anyone's radar. Vladimir Mashkov is one with Omsk. Um, I've been keeping track of him. He's a good player. Uh, who else? Um, like, we'll go, we'll go to my watch list here. Uh, I like Ivan Zivlak. I think he's a good defensive defenseman that, that plays in Sweden uh, with some decent metrics to him. Uh, real weird home run swing might be Archie Murilev, who plays in Omsk as well with, with Mashkov. Uh, who else? Wyatt Kaiser, if he's available late, I like him, but it seems like he's ranked relatively high in the NHL, so maybe he gets picked. Um, num, 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 num. Uh, who else? I kind of like Brady Burns with the with the St. John Sea Dogs. I think he's a decent hockey player. Not sure where his game goes, but he's a fun one. Uh, Josh Lawrence might be another one. Uh, Victor Mancini, I think, with Forlunda is a player that that I really like, and the data that I have on him looks really good. So so he might be a good one as well. There's a few in there, so hopefully that that works well. Oh, Heart of Lad is here. Hello, Heart of. How are you? Good to see you. 
we saw each other in person. We are internet friends who met in real life. Isn't that nice? Um, what do you think about Seth Jarvis? Kind of. Oh yeah, we went over him a bit. Are you high on Evchinikov? Well, there are two of them. Uh, I like one of them. The other one, yeah, he's good. Maybe he gets picked. I wouldn't be surprised, but not as high on him. Uh, but Dimitri, Dimitri's the man. Uh, so yeah, I'll say that and leave it at that because there's more coming on him soon. Uh, thoughts on Luke Evangelista? Saw him play a bunch in London, and I think he could be a good bet in the second, third round. The problem with him has always been, uh, you know, he's a great even strength scorer. The the problem with him has always been defense. So this metric is one of the worst on my entire sheet. So 74% net negative defensive player. Big time offense, though. So you're getting offense out of him, which is good. If it's the third or fourth round, certainly I would think about it. I think he's got lots and lots of skill. Really nice, you know, really nice ceiling to him. Um, but the defensive stuff is something you might just have to live with. I don't think the foot speed is there yet, but the skill is is great. His ability to score at even strength is, is really, really good. Um, quite a lot of secondary assists, but but whatever. I think he does a pretty good job uh, pushing play positively. And, and I think that if, you know, you're willing to live with some defensive shortcomings long-term or you're willing to really work on things with him, then maybe. Uh, but, but third or fourth round is kind of where I would kind of start thinking about him, like late third, early fourth. Uh, who could be the best right-hand defenseman after Drysdale? Oh, God, I have to remember who's right-handed. Oh, not Jake Sanderson, right? See, I don't really remember any of that stuff. My my apologies. Oh, Jake Sanderson is listed at six foot one. Weird. Oh. Um. William Wallander is left-handed. Poirier is left-handed as well, I believe. I wish I could just. There we go. Actually, I think we could probably do this. This should show you player info. Shoots right. Okay. Here we are. So outside of Drysdale, uh, you've got Andre is a lefty. Baron, no. Uh, Drysdale for sure. Granz, potentially. Uh, who else? Nimala. You know, Nimala and Granz are decent options. I mean, everyone seems to love Braden Schneider, but I'm not one of those guys. I would say one of those two. Uh, I like Cariajo, but I don't think he's going to be the second best defenseman to come out of the draft. Um, who else is on here? Michael Benning, but I don't think he'll get to that point. I, I would say if I was a betting man, I would put my money on, if you're looking for defensive players, either Helga Granz or Topi Nimala. Um it might also be Caden Gooley if you want a shutdown guy. Like, the best shutdown defenseman might end up being Caden Gooley if he can refine things a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I think Helga Granz will offer a little bit more at both ends uh, in, in a bit more of an... Uh, I don't know. I think he'll offer a bit more at both ends. And Topi Nimala as a defensive defenseman might be worthwhile as well. So those those guys are probably up there as well. Who's the most risky player but most rewarding? Might... In my first round, it might be Alexander Poshin, just based on the talent that he's got. Um, I mean, I have Marakus Nadinov at 13. That's risky. Uh, you know, I mean, if we're talking players that might be ranked low in the first round that have a lot of upside, like, 
you know, I mean, I look at a William Wallander play hockey and think that there's a ton of potential for him to be a great attacking offensive defenseman one day, which is something that everyone loves once they have them. They always think they're too risky, too risky, too risky, and then they have one and they love it. Um, so he might be a really rewarding player if things work out. Hendricks Lapierre as well, if you can get him at like 30, if he works out and he's healthy, that could be a great pickup as well. There's a few of them. Uh, Heart of Lad, do you think the draft is happening in June? probably like the NHL is hell bent on playing and it seems like that's what they want to do. And it seems like the draft is what they want to do before the playoffs. I I don't know. It sounds like it's going to happen in June. And I think someone said that it was going to be announced next week. Something about the draft next week would be announced. Anyway. Uh, I watched Charlie DeRoche and was surprised. He has good skating block shots. What do you think of him? I'm not a huge fan of DeRoche, but I like him. Like, I don't have him ranked, but I don't mind him. Um, he is a good skater, especially when you compare him to guys like Poirier uh, and Villeneuve. Uh, I think DeRoche has some good talent to him, good sort of competent two-way guy. Uh, I just don't know if there's enough there. Um, DeRoche, like he's he's a good defensive player on paper, uh, just not sure that there's enough of a needle being moved for me to really jump on him. But I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I just, in terms of moving the needle, I'm not sure. Uh, where do you have Emil Vero? I have Emil Vero at 72. He's a good skater, good defensive player, kind of, I guess, but just a long-term project. And I'm not sure that he's going to be picked when I'm coming. He'll, I imagine he'll be picked when he's, when I'm comfortable that he's like, when I'm comfortable to pick him, he'll probably be gone. Um, does physicality change anything for you or not really? And what do you think are some of the most physical players this draft? Well, I don't mind physicality. Like in the NHL, you need to be physical. Uh, it's just, is that a central part of your game? And what else are you doing? You know, like I, 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 I think if I'm looking for a player that's very good at being a good hockey player and also is physical, like People poo-poo on Nola Gundler a lot, but he's a very physical player from time to time. Like, of those top-end Swedish guys, he's probably the most physical. Um, who else is like that? I mean, I think that it's also increasingly uncommon for young players to really be very, very physical players. I mean, Caden Gooley is a good example of someone that plays really physically. Um, who else? Uh and also, like, a lot of physical players, especially forwards, might also just be players that are involved in a lot of physical altercations because they have the puck a lot and they're, and they're targets. Um, you know, like, I, I like... You know, like, I like how Dylan Holloway plays in terms of his physicality. Like, he's very smart about it, uh, as is Rodion Amirov as well, but, he's, but they're not chasing hits. Someone like Caden Gooley kind of sometimes chases hits to a, ne- to a negative. Um, but I do, I don't mind it, but I'm looking for results and hits don't really drive results. They, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, but you, you need to be very careful with picking your spots, especially for defensemen, because, you know, you put yourself out of position. Like if Caden Gooley to me is the next Dion Phaneuf, Dion Phaneuf was cool for a little while. And then people started going like, yeah, but he can't. His offense disappeared over time, and his defense was not really there to begin with. He could hit people, but, you know, 
that double Dion clip, the puck went behind him into the defensive zone anyway. So, you know, maybe your team can corral the puck, but in the speed of the National Hockey League now, teams are too quick. They'll capitalize on stuff like that. So to me, physicality is like, when do you pick your spots to be physical? When do you, you know, if you miss on your defensive transitions coming into your own zone, do you, when do you pick your spot to say, all right, I'm going to challenge him with my stick here. And you challenge him and you go, crap, that didn't work. Can I challenge him again with my stick? Okay. Now do I, at what point do I need to close the gap on this guy to pin him against the boards and just separate him from the puck? and just stop what's happening right now. That's what I'm looking for in terms of players, especially defensemen who play physically. I think your wingers need to be physical. Like John Jason Paterka is really aggressive, really hard on the wings, you know, grinding play in the tra- in, in the middle in the middle of the ice really well. Sorry, in the neutral zone, grinds play down along the boards really well. All that stuff matters. Um and it's just that physical side of the game that I think you know is what the side of the game that's physical should be, not not he hits guys really hard and a lot like i think that that's just not really conducive to winning personally you might fire up the guys but if the player is not good at hockey then what are you doing um i don't know i'd rather my guys just be able to play and if need be get physical when that's like the situation that presents itself but it's again that thing that comes back to picking your spots uh why aren't you the biggest fan of bordolo uh he's a five foot nine center who's not great in his own end a lot of skill uh fun to watch certainly uh but his defensive numbers are not great um might be partly a uh a a a sample size issue but uh whenever i've seen him play just not just really fun offensive player but the defense is the big issue for me especially if he's going to be a center you could convince me to take him in the second round. I love the upside. There's potential for him to be a really fun player uh, in, in at the next level, but he's going to need some time to develop and, you know, get stronger, get better on his feet. His skill's great, but not totally sold on him being a real extreme high-level guy, personally. Uh, but second round pick, yeah, sure. Anywhere in the second round, we could chat. I didn't watch the NDTP this year, so how would you break down Sanderson's game, and what were your thoughts on Matt Beneers? I love Matt Beneers. I think he's a great offensive player. Tons and tons of fun. Uh, one of the more fun guys for me to watch this year. Uh, you know, last year I felt similarly, you know, uh, guys like Sean Farrell and Ryder Rolston, the two 2020 eligible guys on the NTDP last year. Beneers was a 2021 eligible on the 2020 team. I thought he looked great. I know he. some people were looking for more out of him after he was so good last year. I think he looked great almost every time he was on the ice. Um, he was playing a lot with Jack Hughes last year too, so I could score two points a game playing with Jack Hughes probably. Uh, but, but I'm not under 18, so I probably wouldn't be able to play, unfortunately. But I like uh, I, I like he's I I think that that Matt Beniers is going to be a good pickup next year. I don't know if he's going to be a top top to top draft pick, but. He's he's a guy who I probably would have in my first round right now if I had a list, but I don't. Um, but yeah, Jake Sanderson we kind of went over already. Defensive transitions are his bread and butter. Uh, stuff you don't often see in, in against kids, or stuff you don't see with with youth players. Like I'm looking at his numbers now. Uh, his defensive transition percentage 
like so the percentage of transitions coming his way that are done with control across a blue line is 25% which so 75% of the time three out of every four transitions coming towards him he breaks up and those are transitions that he's involved in directly so he's doing things that defensemen should be doing really really well and that's kind of where that comes from uh Yoni Yermo is at 33% for example uh William Walnitter was at 52 uh, I'm looking at other defensemen here. Uh, who else? Uh, Mancini is another one I've done a few games of. He's at 30%. Gooley, 31%. Uh, who else? Granz, 33%. So Sanderson is pretty significantly higher than the rest of those defensemen. Um, Nikishin, 38%. And that's in the KHL, mind you. Uh, Nemal is higher at 51 but I still need to do more on him. And I think he had like an awful game in the fourth game I tracked of his. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's the gist of him. Can you talk a little bit about goalies this year? Askarov is legit. The rest, I don't know. I like Blomqvist. Uh, I like Blomqvist for sure. Dylan Garand is another one that's interesting. Who else do I have on here? Uh, Comesso, I like, uh, yeah, Garand is my fifth rank goalie. Um, Nico Dawes, who knows? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, Jan Bednar has been playing against men, but not particularly well. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Goalies are weird. I would think about taking one late, but wouldn't run to the podium to pick one super high unless it was Askarov. Uh, (laughs) Poirier is the worst defensive player I've seen. He's not great in defensive in his own zone. Not great at all. What's your favorite quality about Marco Rossi? Uh just how smart he is he's he's brilliant i think he's a brilliant and adaptable hockey player like if you want someone with hockey iq whatever that means uh he knows how to adapt to a situation as it's presented to him he doesn't need to have the hands of an antonio stranges or mohawk skate around the ice all the time because he just doesn't need to he he if he needs to he will for half a second and get by you but he doesn't you know, need to show off. If like he's the type of person who will hold on to the puck and then spot someone on the other side of the crease with two defensemen in the way and pick the exact right moment to thread that pass through those players and get the puck to his teammate. Like he completes so many freaking passes because of how smart he is and patient he is. I I just I love the guy. I just love pretty much everything about Marco Rossi's game outside of a little tiny tiny bit of stuff um like to me he's much closer to that top two range than he is the next i'd say two picks which is stutzler raymond that's my vote personally uh he's just such a smart two-way center with such great offensive tools whether or not you buy into the fact that he produced less against good teams whatever you want to think about i don't really care I think he's just extremely talented and so, so smart. Um, which NHL player plays your NHL player plays your favorite style of defense? Wow. Well, man, it's been so long that I forget a lot of NHL players. Um, so let me Google it. <laughs> let me Google it because I know there's an answer that I, I, I like. I love Ryan Ellis. He's a, I think he's one of my favorite defensemen in the NHL. Uh, definitely he's up there. Uh, I like Colton Pareko. Adam Fox, I'm biased, uh, for sure, but I like Adam Fox. 
Um, yeah, Ryan Ellis is up there for sure. I like Shea Theodore as well. I've always had a hot, sp- a hot spot, a soft spot for Shea Theodore. So I would probably give you the answer of a combination of Shea Theodore, Adam Fox, and Ryan Ellis. Those would be the guys that I really like watching a lot of. Like Shea Theodore when he's really good. Whew. Oh boy, what a guy. Uh, How about a little Pavel Novak love? Yes, I like him. Skating isn't great, but you can work on it. He's creative. I need to track more of him, though. He's a good player, for sure. Uh, which inefficiencies in the draft do you think teams struggle with? Uh, probably still devaluing size. Could there be a region that they don't source enough with scouts? Oh, probably Russia, based on what I'm hearing. Uh, or a style of player. They don't seem to value skilled wingers a whole lot, when in reality, I think that that's the easiest thing to find in the draft. Um... Like, don't over... I, I, I'm a big proponent of don't overthink it and just take the good players regardless of what position you're playing and the rest will work itself out if you're smart. Um, that's my hunch. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I would say that teams seem to kind of ignore Russia. Not that it's, not that it's hard to... Like, it, it can be hard to get there and hard to judge that league, especially. Um... Finnish Junior League still seems to be a bit underutilized because there's a lot of talent there that's really good. Uh, And in terms of inefficiencies, the thing I see the most is struggling with overvaluing too much size and undervaluing less size. Um, The league is getting smaller. The game is getting faster. uh, The league is getting more creative. um, It's getting more open to smaller players. And it's just the way that it's going. And I don't really see any reason why it would turn back outside of the league just starting to not call the rules. Which you're already starting to see a little bit again where the league is just kind of like, you know, it's this thing I think that is a bit, that is permeating society in general a little bit. Like when people do egregious things that break the rules, it's almost like people can't believe it so much that like they can't believe the audacity that they kind of let them off easy. You know, like, holy crap five players are out there gooning the other team the whole game and taking a penalty every shift well we can't possibly call a penalty on every single thing they're doing because bleh well then you can go well we'll turn around and push that envelope more nick robertson plays in the nhl next year what if we just elbowed him in the head or what if we just threw him into the boards and you know whatever like what are they gonna do and then the next shift what do they do send someone else to get us we'll do the same thing like if the NHL starts to have this reputation of a league where you can get away with a lot, and you can already get away with quite a lot, then I could see things going back to normal. But to me, the way hockey and the rules are are built, and the way penalties work, and how they're written in the rule books, it's kind of built for smaller players. So I think that that's still something that I think people kind of trip over when it comes to evaluating talent. Um Personally, I still take the small guys because I want my guys to play by the rules and be good at it. That's kind of my hunch. Um, But yeah, definitely. And then the league's finished junior league. And I think Russia is also still pretty underscouted. So yeah. Uh, What about Brendan Brisson to the Avs in the first? I wouldn't do it. I know people really like him. I know there's a lot of people who really, really love Brendan Brisson. I like him, but I don't like first round like him. Second round, sure. I would definitely definitely think about it but first round i'm not nearly as sure uh what would you say is the biggest swing for upside the rangers can make at 13 well who are the 12 names off the board uh if the top 12 names on my board are left 
are gone, sorry. Uh, biggest swing for upside for the Rangers. I mean, if you're talking upside, Marat, maybe. Uh, Marat Kuznodinov, maybe Jake Sanderson if you want a more defensive player. Uh, in terms of like overall value upside, might think about Kuznodinov. That would be a reach, but I just love the guy. Uh, Sanderson, maybe. Um, you know, like there's a lot of guys this year I'm sticking my neck out a little bit for, so whatever. But I believe in a guy like Marat Kuznodinov long-term, especially considering how young he is. Uh, who else? Uh, big swing on upside, big swing on upside. I mean, Hendrix Lapierre, if you think he's healthy and, and everyone's telling you he's healthy, then that would be a pretty big swing for upside as well. Uh, is Brandon Coe just a case of a good player on a terrible team? I don't think so. I think he's a good, skilled power winger. I wouldn't touch him until the second round, maybe not until the third, but I have him ranked pretty high. Where is he here? I have him at 49th, and and I don't think that that's egregious. Uh, I could easily be convinced to to pass on him and, and see if anyone's available after him, like a Ty Smolanich might be a guy I picked before him, Mitchell Miller, uh, Braden Schneider, uh, who else? Uh, maybe a Johannesson. If I'm feeling, you know, had a whiskey or two. So yeah, kind of, kind of up there. Um, but yeah, I think he's a good player, really good skill. I found him really impressive at the top prospects game, uh, surprisingly. So I think he, I think he could be a good one. Uh, not sure if you've talked about this, but Martin Chromiak off the top, I talked about him. Uh, I wouldn't use the second first round pick on him. I wouldn't use, I probably wouldn't use a second round pick on him if I'm being perfectly honest maybe one of the last second round picks out there if he's there third round sure i would think about it i just don't think he's enough of a needle mover right now and the games i've tracked of him uh it's sometimes it gets scary i need to finish seven games on him though so maybe that'll change but yeah smart playmaker in the offensive end but there's a lot more to it than what you see in highlights uh, what are your thoughts on Nikishin and do you think he goes in the first three rounds? He probably will go in the first three rounds because he plays in the KHL. He's a defenseman. Uh, he's, he's, he plays big, he's physical and he's not terrible. I like Nikishin a little bit. I think if it was the fourth or fifth round and I had a ton of picks in the first three rounds and I'm happy, Nikishin might be a nice low ceiling, high floor defensive defenseman that I pick up that has nice, he's got good hands surprisingly from what I've seen. Uh, and, and his passing ability on, a, on the whole is pretty good. Um, so I like him, but I'm not, I'm not overly over the moon about say a first or second round pick on him, but maybe someone takes a swing in the second round if that's the type of defenseman they like. Um, when are you releasing the scouting report on Shakir? <sighs> I want to, but I don't think I'm gonna, I'm sorry. I just don't think I can do it. I've tracked a couple of games of his. I've seen him play a lot of times and I just don't want to. So please don't make me. I might, but only if the draft is postponed only because it's bad. I see what people are saying about him in terms of the good stuff, but the bad is so bad. That's all I'm going to say. Oh boy. Uh, could Holloway be the Valeno of this draft? Possibly. Interesting perspective. Possibly. I've missed it, but who do you like for Rangers at 13? They're pretty set on defense. Yeah, so someone mentioned that. I mean, it depends on who's available. I said if you wanted to swing for the fences, someone like Marat, if you let him develop. 
uh sanderson yeah you might have a lot of defensemen but someone like sanderson wouldn't hurt you and he wouldn't be there for another probably two seasons or three seasons um lapierre would be another big swing i mean any one of these guys would be an interesting pickup like dylan holloway i think would look really good in the rangers jersey but i don't think he has the same kind of upside uh but i think holloway fits like what the rangers kind of are looking for in a player um chris haddad hello chris uh i you're awesome yes i am thank you <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm not yeah uh do you think there's value in the abs drafting a william wallander over a forward like brisson or forster well i would make that decision uh <laughs> i mean they just drafted bowen byram they have kale mccarr i don't think william wallander really gives them a much more of a boost than they already have in that brand of defenseman i would be very surprised to see the avalanche come away in the first round with william wallander it would be pretty cool and it would really indicate the way that the avalanche seem to want their defensemen to play hockey which look if you want a defense group full of guys like kale mccarr bowen byram and william wallander do it that would be super cool i would be all over it it would be a lot of fun and you would absolutely need your team to cover for them all of the time it would need to be a really really carefully crafted system of tactics to manage those kinds of defensemen but if it works and your forwards are competent defensively i'd be willing to give it a go who knows it could be fun uh but i don't think teams are that bold um i'd be surprised if they went that direction uh in the first round with that pick but it would be fun uh but you know of those three players wallander would be the one that i would lean towards uh but drafting another forward for the avalanche like the avalanche are in a good spot because they can pretty much do in my opinion like whatever they want they have a lot but they 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 have a lot kind of everywhere another excuse me another defenseman might be a good pickup for them and if it's wallander great uh and if and i don't know what other defenseman i would want for them like if it's poirier i don't i don't think that's a great fit i mean they already also have sam gerard too like that's so much mobility on defense that's seriously what they like and wallander might be the guy that 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 might be the guy that fits there if they want more and more mobility and you just let the chips fall where they may i don't know could be fun uh next what do you think of jj paterka aggressive energy guy good skill good speed but i'm not sure there's enough there to be a real true offensive player good two-way guy though responsible in his own end he does have skill but you know the offense is kind of tough to read because the guys he plays with are not great like so i'm looking at him now so 18 percent of his pass attempts are dangerous which is about the same as lucas reichel he completes more passes than lucas reichel he gets up the ice with the same efficiency as lucas reichel he doesn't suppress he suppresses defensive transitions better than lucas reichel uh but he has been on the ice for he gets high danger shot attempts almost at the same rate or percentage of the time as as reichel uh let's see uh paterka and reichel paterka and reichel so individual yeah so reichel gets way more high and medium danger shot attempts per 60 but in terms of a percentage of shot attempts paterka is pretty close um but paterka's shot danger differentials are bad so that to me indicates if he's suppressing defense well pushing offense well on his own stick trying dangerous passes and completing 75 percent of them and still only getting 43 percent shot attempt differential it might not be him that's causing a lot of the problems um 
he's not always engaged in play as much as I'd like, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's a good player. Nice pickup for the late first round. Uh, but you know, maybe a good third line energy guy with some nice offense and maybe there's more down the road. Uh, but, but I, I like him, but nothing super extremely high. Um, Murad is tricky behind the net like Datsuk. Damn right he is. He, people are still sleeping on him. He's now worked his way up into like first round consideration to some people. I still think he's a top 20 guy in this year's draft. He's just so young, so good at almost everything. The offense exploded in the back half of the year. I mean, once you start playing him more, he made guys like Alex Gordon uh, and who's the other guy he played with? Um, I can't remember, but he made them into people. Uh, Oh man, now I feel dumb. I can't remember his other line mates name, Gordon and... Never mind. But yes, he can get tricky behind the net. I showed that in my video. Go watch my video on Marakus Nadinov. Get on the train. Um, Where do you watch most of these games? I unfortunately cannot, should not share that. When you're in a business position for this, there are ways to do it. Uh, but I've said this a bunch of times. I, I was told to keep it extremely quiet for broadcast rights and copyright reasons it's you know i work in digital copyright and the last thing i want to do is go against that with this and you know whatever but point is if you can make a business case that you need access to these kinds of things it is possible to have it done uh but it is not you know that there's there for 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 relatively obvious reasons they're a bit skittish and uh very I wouldn't say selective, but careful uh, about what they're about about how they promote their their services, if at all. I don't think they that most of them do, um, but you just kind of have to. I don't know. It's not it's 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 not easy. I admit it, but uh, yeah, it's more of a business thing for me. Um, how soon do you see Askarov in the NHL? Does he come to North America or play in the KHL for a year or two? He'll be in the KHL for a couple of years. I, I, I think that he'll be similar to Vasilevsky. You draft him, you stash him in the in the Russian league for a couple of seasons, two, three years, and then you come over and maybe he's your backup or an AHL guy, probably. Uh, Yermo or Andre? Andre. Uh, who do you have ranked higher, Smolanich or Bordalo? Uh, where's Bordalo? I have Smolanich higher. Uh, Bordalo could be higher. I could consider taking him higher. Um, but Smolanich, I think there's more of a two-way game out of him that, that's 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 a solid look. Um, Bordalo might have more upside, but I just don't think that that he'll quite get there. And I think his defensive game isn't as good. Uh, how high would you be willing to take Marakas Nadinov? Um, probably where I have him ranked, 14th. Like, I don't think I'd take him over Dylan Holloway. Because uh, Dylan Holloway, where Marakas Nadinov is weaker... Dylan Holloway shows better to me and Marakus Natinov where Dylan Holloway shows weaker. Marakus Natinov is like, you know, I think Kuznetinov is going to be a really, really, really good player, but I think Dylan Holloway is more projectable right now. Like there's less risk there. So at 14, you know, like I would really think about Seth Jarvis. I would really think about Jake Sanderson. I would, but, but Marakus Natinov, because, but Kuznetinov is right in that discussion of Kuznetinov, of, of Kuznetinov, Jarvis, Sanderson, and even Reichel, I would say. 
to me. I might bump Reichel down below Sanderson now that I look at this, but uh, I, I think that as a trigger man in the offensive end and, and even as a decent player in, in transition offensively, Reichel is a good player. Uh, but yeah, definitely um, hit or miss in there. But I would say I wouldn't think about Kuznodinov top 13, but between 14 and 16 or 17 would definitely be where I would think about it. And if he was available anywhere after that, he wouldn't take much convincing to to go and to be the guy that I pick. Uh, Jack Quinn, top 15 or no? I can see why. Maybe you could convince me to do it. I have him ranked at 23. I don't think I would. Maybe in the 15, 20 range. Like, would I take him over Connor Zari? Sure. If I had a bunch of scouts being like, trust me on this, I would. If I had a bunch of scouts telling me he's better than Maverick Bork, trust me, I can see how they would come up with that perception. You know, like, I'm not going to fight on Jack Quinn a ton if people want him in the 15 to 20 range. 10 to 15, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, but but 15 to 20, I think, is perfectly reasonable. And if someone picks him earlier, great. All the more power to you. I think he's going to be a good player, but I just don't think that he's... I think there's more riskier players with more upside available ahead of him. Uh, does Nimec's size affect where you... Oh, uh, would you prefer an NHL team that drafts 2 to 3... Uh, NHL players per year or a team that always drafts one of the best prospects at the end of the first round? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, you ought, you want to come away from the draft with really good players. And to me, it's about quality over quantity. Quantity helps when you don't have to sign free agents. And I think that you can give yourself the best probability of getting good players at most of your picks. There's always value available in my opinion. Um, so I think that, you know, it's it's hard to just say, get the best players at the end of the first round. I think good players slip, for sure. Uh, but I think that if I'm an NHL team, I want to knock the thing out of the park in the first round. And that might be riskier to do, especially after the first, say, 20 picks. But in the in the in the in the mid rounds and late rounds, you swing on value and you never know, you might really hit a home run. So preferably both, I guess, is the answer to your question. But you want to end up with quality players as much as you possibly can for as little as you as you can pay out. And drafting one is always the easiest way to do it. Uh, does Nybeck's size where he, affect where he's ranked? Does Nybeck's size affect where you rank him? Do you think he's a late first rounder? Uh, his size factors into why he's not ranked in my first round. I wouldn't put him 29th in Europe like the NHL did. Um, but I think he's got limitations. Um, his skating is okay. Uh, he looked better in the, uh, SHL though, for sure. His two-way game is pretty good. Um, 66% offensive controlled zone transitions, 30% defensively, which is pretty good. Um, but you know, he's an 83% passer as well, like a really effective puck mover, but I just get the feeling that he's a player who's going to have trouble when play gets ramped up. And uh, in the SHL, he looked okay, I thought. Um, maybe I would think about drafting him higher, but first-round pick, like he's in that Simontoval-style area where I could think about taking him maybe 30th, 31st, 32nd, um, but deep into the first round, I'm not totally sure. Like, I don't really see how I could look at Ronnie Hirvonen and then look at Zeon Nybeck and go, yeah, I'd rather go with the smaller guy who doesn't skate as well as some other small guys I've seen and 
you know, plays on a bit of a slower paced team. I just might need to see more of Nybeck, but but I think if you're looking at, you know, would I take him over Simone Duvall? Possibly. Uh, Cormier, I'd really think about it. Gooley, I'd think about it. But Zion Nybeck going up against Caden Gooley might might get a little tough if Gooley gets bigger and stronger and better on his feet over time, personally. Um, William Villeneuve seems to vary in draft rankings wherever I look. What do you project him? What separates the top-ranked defenseman from Villeneuve? Villeneuve has great metrics, for sure, but his on-ice profile is not great. He shoots the puck a lot, which is fun. He's got really, really good skill, but his skating is not great, and his defensive game is not great. Him and Poirier uh, give up however many goals it is. Uh, 3.7, and where is uh, Villeneuve? So I have Villeneuve in the second round here, late second round. So Villeneuve at 3.4, even strength goals against per 60, and Poirier at 3.7. That's not good. And they often play together. Uh, thoughts on Dimitri Samikin? I really like Samikin. He's always been one of those guys who does things, and I'm going, oh, that's very interesting. Like, who's this guy? And then I Google it, and it's always the same guy. And it's like, oh, Dimitri Samikin. So I'm glad the, the, the oh, seven bucks and ten cents. Thank you, Naraj. Thank you very much for your donation. No, no message. Good, good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, da, 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 da. yeah, so... Yeah, Vilniv is just not... I don't think he's got enough in the tank to, to really live up to what his data indicates personally. Um, but, you know, in the mid-rounds, I could think about it. But but he's just not a great defensive player. His skating is not great. But his shot and his skill are a lot of fun. So we'll we'll see. But Samikin, yeah, I like him as well. Good for him to to be picked up by by Tampa, and I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, Vilniv's production doesn't match his tools. That's true. He project. Yeah, all of that is true. Um, where do you see Ponomaryov getting picked? Maybe second round. I think I have him in the third round, barely. I just am not a huge fan of his game, but but I could see someone taking a swing on him in the second round. Sometimes when he's good, he can be really good. I just think there's a lot more other guys that I think are more interesting to me. Uh, how confident are you about Byfield at two? Uh, 100%. Do you think Matthew de St. Fall gets an overage pick due to his production? I think he will. I think I've seen nice flashes out of him. I wouldn't pick him, but I can see teams liking him. He he has some nice moments. Uh, overage USHL players are always a bit skittish to me, but some teams are not afraid to pick him. Toronto did it last year, uh, and I know that they've they had Fontaine at their rookie camp this year, so they might dip into there as well. And the Saint Fall is a good one, but I don't think I would. Uh, what do you think of Justin Barron? Thought he was ranked pretty high last year. He was, and he dropped off. He did. Uh, injuries are a concern. I always have never been blown away with his game. I think he's going to be a really good junior defender who might have issues at the next level. Um, kind of like the Pierre-Olivier Joseph profile from a while ago. Uh, just not totally high on him. You seem really, you seem to seem to really like highly skilled MHLers. Aren't you worried about their ability to translate their offensive game considering the lack of pace and looseness of the league? That is true. Um, but I try to look at how they generate their results. So a lot of guys in that league, like we mentioned before, Navolin, uh, they are skilled, but they prefer low pace. Guys like Kuznetinov and Pashin push pace constantly. They are working their tails off. Ovchinikov works his tail off. They have a lot of determination. They play hard, and it's all over the ice. They are guys who, who dictate play. They're not guys who let play happen around them, and the MHL is full of players who just let the game happen around them. Oh yeah, I'll just pass it to this guy. Pass it over here. Pass it in. It's just not a, a super intense league a lot of the time. But those guys kind of are different. 
um, like Alexander Poshin especially is, is an extremely hard worker. Um, and you know what? The good thing about the Russian guys, if it takes them five years, you have their rights. I don't care. If I know that it's a good player and I'm willing to wait three or four years and I can immediately bring them over when they're ready, you know, like Vladimir Tarasenko, how long did it take him? Um, you know, like Tarasenko, Kuznetsov, Uh, Kuznetsov, where is his Elite Prospects page? Whatever, we'll actually, yeah, I should find his Elite Prospects page. Um, oh, there it is. So Tarasenko was drafted in 2010, and he didn't come over until the lockout in 2012-13. So he took two seasons, uh, and at that point he would have been 21? If he came over in like if the league started in say 2013 at the beginning of 2013 he would have been 21 so you've got a couple of years to work with these guys uh yeah and then the next season kuznetsov came over so kuznetsov came over in 13 14 what looks like to be the end of the year um and played 17 games with the capitals so he didn't come over until he was maybe 21 as well so these Russian guys might take a couple of years to develop, but the benefit is you know they're going to be playing at some point against men. Uh, like Murat will probably be in the VHL next year, at least I hope he is. Uh, Ovchinikov, I imagine, he got up to the KHL at the end of the year, and I imagine that that might give him a shot. Pashin has played in men's leagues before, a few games in the VHL, and he didn't look out of place there. So I think it's possible. You're taking the risk on him for the talent that they show, though, which is really the point of everything. You know, and again, I have my guys ranked in order of how I prefer them. I'm not expecting Marakas Nadinov to be gone in the top 20. I would take him in the top 20, but, you know, Pashin, also, like, Pashin was at the Holinka and scored seven goals. You know, um, he was at the World Junior A and looked pretty good. Like, they play against their own cohort quite a bit, and they don't look out of place. These guys who are who are playing not like the rest of their cohort in Russia. So I'm not super concerned about it. Uh, and especially if those guys are guys that I get outside of the first round. Okay, count me in. Uh, thoughts on Vasily Ponomaryov? I've kind of, I'm just not totally sure. I, I think he's a good, decent player, but I'm not sure he's much of a needle mover. I, I just, whenever I've seen him be good, I've seen a lot of situations where I just don't see enough out of him. Um, but yeah, I'm not totally not not a huge fan of his game overall, but but he does have really nice flashes of skill, especially with the puck on his own stick. Uh, and his two way game is fine, but I I just he's one of those guys who I don't really know what to say about him. Uh, I think Edmonton will take Askarov at twenty three. I think he'll be gone before then. Uh, sorry. Who do you think the Habs saying that they have the eighth overall pick should draft? If Marco Rossi is available at eight, they should take Marco Rossi. Uh, kind of a random question, but do you like Jet Wu? Yes, I do. I do very much. I do like Wu. Uh, always have. Loved him since he was at the under-18s in his D-1 year. He was great there. I, I think he's... And it, I don't know how well he's developed, but but he was a great pickup for the, for the Canucks when he was picked, and I, I like him. But we'll see how his career goes, but I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, who do you think the fastest player is the, of the draft is? Um, well, I track blue line to blue line time. I did see your name pop up as a recent subscriber. So I track blue line to blue line time. Uh, and the fastest skater in a game transition blue line to blue line 
in any given scenario, which happened once, was Yoni Yermo, which was very interesting. Uh, Jean-Luc Foudy is not far behind. Uh, who else is up there? Like the sub 1.5 mark, blue line to blue line is impressive. Ronnie Hirvenen is in there. Yarventi is in there. Foodie is in there. Uh, who else? Justin Barron barely missed, but that's, you know, one of them, one rush. There's not a whole lot of guys in that range. You saw Mayan Pod did it in under 1.5 seconds. But yeah, so those guys are quick. Uh, that is for sure. You know, even guys like Alexander Holtz, 1.66 seconds, but Foodie, 1.41. That was my measurement of it. Um, maybe some some ranks have different blue line widths, but, you know, I'm just trying to get a rough gauge of transition speed, really. Uh, but in terms of, like, the quickest overall players in the draft at all times, usually you don't want to see that in a player where they're just going 100 miles an hour constantly. But I think I think that the players that can move the quickest, like... Lucas Raymond is very explosive, but I wouldn't say him he's extremely quick. Uh Tim Stutzla is quick. Uh Alexander Poshin is very quick. You know, he goes blue line he went blue line to blue line in a second and a half, which is crazy fast. Uh Marco Rossi is surprisingly quick when he gets going. Um But, you know, the like I'd say Tim Stutzla might be the guy who's like consistently one of the faster players out there. Uh especially once he gets moving. So of all the names I mentioned, some of those. Uh, what do you think of Nico Dawson, Samuel Halavai? Goalies. They're goalies. Von Strix. Do you think teams will reach on defensemen due to the lack of the top end of the draft? Yes. The Vancouver Canucks don't have a pick until the third round, likely. That is true. Uh, who's in that range for you? Well, it depends. I mean, there's a chance someone like Alexander Poshin might be available there. Danny Gooschin might be available there. Those two guys would be fun in, in, in Vancouver. Uh, who else? Like, guys I have ranked really, really high that I think could drop. Usually those are smaller skilled players that play in Europe. Um, you know, maybe a Brett Berard would be a good ad for Vancouver. Uh, you know, they don't, they're not afraid of Americans, and, and he's a good one. I don't know if he'll be there at 80, but maybe Tristan Robbins, if he's there, might be a really good pickup for Vancouver. If he's there at 80, I think people will wake up to him uh, and pick him earlier. Um, if you like fun defensemen, Samuel Knazko might be one. Mitchell Miller. Uh, for more of a lower upside type player, Daniel Torgerson might be a good add. Like Torgerson standing in front of the net while Pedersen does his thing and Besser cranks slap shots all night. Not saying that Torgerson's going to be a first-line center or first-line winger, but uh, that seems to be a decent role for him. Just park yourself in front of the net, be a real jerk, and just bang in greasy rebounds. And if you're not in front of the net, he's a pretty good shot as well. So, you know, he can score. So maybe that's a guy at around that range you can pick up. Uh, but I think that there will be a good player available there, depending on what it is exactly that you're looking for. Like in the 80s range for me in my ranking, like assuming all of these guys are gone, a Benjamin Baumgartner might be a good pick for them there. That might be really high, but I think that he's legit. Um, who else? Uh, uh, <clears throat> Ryan Francis maybe, but he's pretty small and I'm not sure. I mean, if you want, you know, if a Sean Farrell is there, I don't think he will be, but maybe if he's there, 
you know, it, it depends. It's so hard to tell who the 79 guys will be gone are before the draft. What is your reasoning to, to having Perfetti at six ahead of players like Holtz and Drysdale? So the reasoning right now, so, okay, full disclosure, him and Drysdale to me are just pick who you like. I, it's a coin flip to me. Holtz's defensive game is bad. I don't, I don't really care that his team is bad defensively. In his own end, he's not good. Uh, he's quick. He's aggressive on the puck. Uh, he's a great shooter. His shooting instincts are bad. I mean, I again, I tracked one high and one medium danger shot attempt across seven games. For a sniper, you better have the best shot in the whole freaking world if you're going to score from out there. Like, even Cole Caulfield pushes into medium danger areas to get his shots off a lot of the time. He cuts into the middle of the ice and shoots from there. Holtz just enters the offensive zone and shoots it, which it's a great shot, but that's not that that's not going to work long term. At least you got to get a little bit deeper into the offensive end. Um and the one goal that he did score that I tracked, he scored from like a crazy absurd obscene angle, which fine, good for him, but you know, I think that especially at 5 on 5 there's work to do. Cole Perfetti is underrated as a two-way player, I think. Uh where is he here? Here he is. So Again, I'm not done his tracking, but I'm very close, so these probably won't change a ton. Uh, there are parts of his game that are not perfect, but he drives 79.5% offensive transition controlled, 40% defensive, so he's shutting down 60% of transitions he's involved in. You know, he's not the quickest guy in the world, uh, but a quarter of his shot attempts are high danger. You know, so when he gets his shot attempts, he makes them count. I think he also gets a lot of them, too. Uh, so yeah, so his offensive threat metric, so that's high danger. So individual high danger, medium danger, and dangerous pass attempts combined. He is better than Marco Rossi in that regard. And this is per, so it's all per 60. So high danger per 60, medium danger per 60, and dangerous passes per 60. He's on par with Marco Rossi. He's, uh, I'm trying to filter out non-OHL guys. Uh, who else is in here? Uh, Foodie is way out in front. He Foodie's just ridiculous. Uh, trails perfect. Trails by Perot. Trails Byfield. Uh, trails. Oh no, he's actually better than Lafreniere, which is pretty wild. Um. So yeah, in terms of driving like dangerous offense, he's good at it. Uh, he gets something like yeah, thirteen high and medium danger shot attempts per sixty, and that's second so far in my tracking, only to Reichel. Uh, oh, and Seth Jarvis. But, so he's, in terms of an offensive game and his transition game, he's pretty good at it. His passing could use some work, and I'm not sure if he's going to be a center or a winger. And again, if if I am at sixth overall and the five guys I have in front are gone, Jamie Drysdale could very easily be that guy. This is why I don't really like numerical rankings, because it depends on context so much. And Drysdale could very easily end up being my sixth best guy. Uh, but not, I, I, think, I think Perfetti's puck skill... I think his resiliency with the puck, uh, I think his offensive decision-making and, and just his offensive threat generation is is really, really good. Uh, I like Drysdale a lot, and I certainly would think that at seven, he would certainly be the one I would pick. Like, Drysdale over Lindell? Yeah, I would do it. Drysdale over Holtz? Yep. Drysdale over Askarov? Unless I needed a goaltender? Yep, I would I would do it. Amirov? Yep. Gundler? Yep. Yep, no problem. So top seven, 100%. Sixth overall, you could convince me very easily. But but Perfetti, I think, just in terms of stuff that's a bit easier to project, 
he kind of does it a little bit better than Drysdale. And Drysdale does have some downsides. And, and I think people are, I think there's a few people out there who are seeing him as the best defenseman and elevating him to, you know, if he's the best defenseman, then he's right up there with the rest of the top players in the draft. And I, I don't think I see that yet. Maybe I'm misvaluing defensemen in general, but I, I think that top seven, a hundred percent top six. Sure. You could convince me, uh, top five, probably not, probably not to me, but again, maybe, but yeah. Uh, okay. Got to close this out here, guys. Uh, do you think the LA Kings defensive pipeline is strong enough with Bjornfot, Clegg, Anderson, Dursey, Phillips, Spence, and New Zealand? Or should they? So yeah, I would be curious to see who the Kings are picking this year. I don't think that's quite enough. It's good, but I don't think it's enough. And Drysdale would be a good ad for the Kings, but you don't want to draft Drysdale at four just because he's a defenseman, in my opinion. I wouldn't push for it. I would say that you may as well swing on upside. And at four and five, that means, you know, like to me, the Kings are a team that might be the team that takes a huge swing on Askarov. Like they don't really have a high-level goaltending prospect from I can from what I can recall. And, and he's about as good a bet as you're going to find. And if he's the guy who ends up replacing Jonathan Quick, I know some people really like Cal Peterson, but by the time Askarov comes over, Cal Peterson is going to be, what, 27, 28, maybe even older? And who knows? He's only played however many games in the NHL, like 20 games. So making those judgments might be a little bit sketchy, and and that might be a team that just goes, screw it, we'll take the goalie. Uh, the, the Habs did that with Carey Price, for example. Um but Drysdale would make sense there as well. But if it's at like four or five and guys like Tim Stutzler are on the board, I mean, I don't know if Tim, Tim, Tim Stutzler is going to be on the board, but like Marco Rossi in LA, like think about it for a second. Like Marco Rossi threading passes on a power play, let's say, to Arthur Kaliev in 2024. I know people don't like Kaliev and there's reasons to not like him, but you you can think that putting him on a power play with Marco Rossi in the National Hockey League, he's going to try to put that puck in the net. And it might, it probably will happen. Um, so I, I'm curious about that. And I don't know. I, I It's going to be interesting to see which direction the Kings go. I think they could go in any real direction. Uh, if they go with Drysdale, sure, I get it. It makes sense. It gives them something to build around on defense, which improves a good group of guys they have. If they go with Askarov, it makes sense to me. If they go with if they go with someone like a Marco Rossi, that will that would be what I do if if he's available there personally. Um, so that's kind of my hunch. It's it's going to be interesting to see which direction the Kings go. They're one I have an eye on. Uh, great analysis on Amirov today. Thank you. I think he's hugely underrated. Yes, he is. I have him ranked at eleventh. And I have him in the same tier as everyone from 3 to 11. Not that I would take him at 3, certainly. Uh, I wouldn't. But his results in the KHL are pretty freaking good. And I would say in the 10 to, 10 to 15 range, I would I would really take a look at him. Uh, after laugh, who is the best QMJHL prospect? Poirier, Lapierre, Bork, or another one? I would say that if they hit their potential... Lapierre being realistic I guess Bork I I like Maverick Bork more than I think some people uh I think that he's a really interesting sort of two-way guy with with nice skill and 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 good sort of 
away from the puck game that that kind of anticipates play well. I need to see more of them though. Uh, but I think that Poirier might end up playing himself out of the league at some point. He just I don't know what he there's potential, but I don't know uh, about him long term. He's got a long way to go, I think, but it might be worth the wait. Lapierre, it just comes down to his health. I mean, if Lapierre is 100% healthy, I have him in my top, I'd say 10 to 15 range in that area. You know, like would I take him over Jake Sanderson? Probably over Lucas Reichel? Probably. He's probably up there with Jarvis and, and Murat, I would say, in terms of their overall game and in that range. Holloway, yeah, I would I would put him in right in that in that 13, 14, 15 range for sure. If he was perfectly healthy and everything was perfectly fine, but I just don't know. Uh, okay, I'm going to bang through these. Uh, if you had three second-round picks like Montreal, who are you hoping to get? Pfft, depends on who's available. I don't I don't know. But the Habs are smart, and they know who they're picking. They know their, they know their stuff, and they're going to pick some good players, I think. Initial thoughts on Golgolev. Great shot, great skill. Not sure if it's enough, but it's good. Um, might get a pick late, but he's been undrafted twice, and it isn't super common to see guys who were highly touted for two years and undrafted go drafted in the last go-around. Maybe a guy that I certainly would invite to camp and, and think about an AHL deal to see what he's got, make him earn it a little. But the skating is a bit of an issue. But as a catch-and-shoot guy, maybe you draft him late and, and see what he does in the AHL next year. Just for fun, Michkov or Bedard? Ooh, I've seen more of Michkov over bigger samples, so I guess him... I don't know, though. Still way out. But uh, I do love both of those guys. Michkov is a lot of fun to watch, though. I loved him at the Youth Olympic Games, but that's the only time I've seen him. Recent drafts has been a huge uptick in selections from the U.S. and Europe. Do you believe that teams are starting to trend away from CHL prospects due to other programs getting better? Yes, uh, I think so. In my opinion, most good CHL players that are really worth picking early that generally are a high probability of making it are gone pretty quick. And, you know, teams clamor for them. And the European guys slip through the cracks. And I don't know why. Um, maybe they'd look at the points and go, they're not scoring against men, so who cares? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I think that that is what's happening. I think I think that the CHL is getting more competition. I think Europe is getting more resources to, you know, think outside of the box that Hockey Canada seems to be in. You know, like I think Hockey Canada and and coaching culture and and the way that that we're that that Canada sort of views hockey and and how in our culture and our society it's seen, it can it can be seen as like, you know, no one can challenge us, but in reality I think I think, yeah, in reality, I think the European leagues are certainly catching up. Uh, the USHL might be in a bit of a down year this year, but the NTDP is has been a godsend for U.S. hockey. I think that's been a, a brilliant program since they've really started devoting resources to it, uh, and really some good, good players have come out of it. Um, so I'm all for it. Uh, I, I like the competition. I love watching those leagues from around the world and seeing how they play. And, and trying to find value there. And because I think that this game has so many different ways you can play it uh, that I'm definitely interested in, in that kind of thing. Uh, Remy Chevalier, good analysis on the Kings. Cool, thank you. I love Rossi, but man, another talented natural center. I feel like they already have so many with Velarde, Thomas, Turcotte, Dudas, and Kupari. That is true, but you can never have too many centers for starters. 
And some of those guys might be better wingers. Like Aiden Dudas, I'm not sure can be an NHL center. Uh, Alex Turcott probably will be a center. Velarde, I love, and sure, he can play center as well. Akil Thomas has played wing before, and I could see him doing it. I mean, if you need to have six centers and rotate a couple of them during a game to take face-offs and all that, that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, I would, but you're right. That is an interesting point. Uh, it's just that at four or five, if someone's passing on Marco Rossi, it's really hard to pass on him there. And I think that's a situation where I make the pick and just sort of let it, let, let it figure it out. Like he might be an NHL player next year and looking at this, maybe Turcotte's in the NHL, but I don't think he's going to be an extremely impactful one. Akil Thomas, I don't think is an NHLer next year. Dudas, don't think so. Kapari, don't think so. Uh, Velarde, yeah, but you know, who knows with him? Who knows? He's, I'm really happy for him, but you never know with injuries, right? It, it, you never know. Um, and you don't want to pass on Marco Rossi. You take someone who you wish, you know, who, in, and when you look back and something bad happens to, to Velarde or Turcotte doesn't really quite pan out or Thomas doesn't quite pan out or whatever and going, geez, we passed on Marco Rossi because we were afraid all these other guys would work out too much you know? So I don't know. It's why to me, you take the best player available. Just, just find the best players and take them. Uh, and Hey, if someone else wants, you know, if, if you want a piece elsewhere on your team and other, other teams will call you about some of the names you listed and it makes it easier to make those trades personally, not saying that those players should be traded, but it gives you options. If you have a lot of good players, uh, prime Crosby or McDavid. That's a tough one. Probably Crosby. Probably Crosby because he just is an extraordinary hockey player. You know, like Connor McDavid is probably the most exciting hockey player that in my lifetime I've ever seen. Fastest, most skilled, most aggressive offensive player, most dangerous offensive player ever in my in my lifetime. But freaking Sidney Crosby, though, at his best, both ends of the ice, absolutely bonkers. Uh, and, and just, I mean, McDavid isn't the best defensive player, but that's not the reason he's the best player in the world right now. He's the best player in the world right now because he scores silly amounts of points and is always looking to do more offensively and is the best rushing to, rushing player I've, I've ever seen. So it's two different types of players, but I think if I had to pick one at their prime in the NHL, at their best, I would go with Crosby. Uh, anyway, guys, I'm going to call it a night. Thank you very much for joining me. This was a lovely time. Uh, join me next Wednesday. We'll do more of this. There's going to be at least two more videos uh, by next Wednesday. Hopefully more uh, more filmed, but at least two more. There's one coming out. Uh, I submitted it this morning, so probably... I can't even keep track of the days anymore, but there's one more coming this week uh, and then another one later and then I'm filming three this week. So maybe even three by the time the next live stream comes out. But join me next time. It'll be a fun time. So thank you very much. Uh, Naraj, thank you for the donation. That was very lovely of you. Uh, again, thank you. Um, and yeah, hope you all have a lovely week. Stay safe. Uh, and uh, yeah, all the best. See you next week.